0: At Emory University's Goizueta Business School, we believe in going beyond what is, to build what should be. Because when you change your perspective, you change business for the better. In an ever-changing marketplace, we seek to make our mark, to achieve more, build more, do more, create more. That's the Goizueta Effect. Microbusinesses, those small but mighty enterprises, make up a significant portion of of our local economy. They drive innovation, create employment opportunities, contribute to equity, and have a substantial impact on the overall economic landscape. So when you shop small, shop local, you're not just making a purchase, you're making an investment in your community. Today, we have two incredible guests joining us. First, we have Brian Gobel. Managing Director of the Business and Society Institute at Emory University's Goizbada Business School, an academic research center with a mission to transform business to build a more equitable and climate smart world. And we have Mercedes Uzubunum, a business owner for Heart of Heart Mercedes, a statement jewelry company for the whole family. We'll explore how microbusiness promotes equity, provides pathways out of poverty, and plays a crucial role in addressing racial disparities. We'll also talk about the intentionality of aligning your values and your wallet, something deeply woven into the fabric of microbusiness. So get ready to be inspired by the stories and strategies behind these small but mighty enterprises. It's time to unwrap the power of microbusiness and understand why small business is truly big. Well, Brian Mercedes, welcome to the podcast. I want to jump right in and start with you, Brian. Part of the mission of the Business and Society Institute is to transform business to build a more equitable world. What is a micro business and how does it help to do that?
1: Yeah, micro businesses are an important subset of the small business community. And I think a lot of people think about small businesses, um, kind of think about the micro ones, right? Um, if you look at Maybe the Small Business Administration, they define small businesses up to you know, maybe 400 employees, but uh, we, we really focus on those micro businesses which are on that you know kind of starting point, the the true small businesses. And so they're typically defined as companies with one to four employees. And so you know for us and, and why it's really important and, and an area that we focus on within our institute. Is that individually these may be small, but collectively they create a huge impact. Um, they account for a significant number of both direct and indirect jobs um, in communities and neighborhoods, and they create uh, really important opportunities to build income and wealth for those that own it. So you know we we research microbusiness uh, here within our institute. Um, so Professor Peter Roberts, a, a faculty member here, has uncovered a number of other benefits in addition to some of those economic numbers about jobs. Um, and income, but if you think of it, you know, they ha- they have kind of the market cornered when it comes to tailoring products and services. So you think of those micro businesses with one to four folks like Mercedes here who runs an amazing micro business. She knows her neighbors and her customers and what they want and need. Um, and and so, you know, that's a huge uh, benefit of of micro businesses as well. Micro businesses are the, the companies that occupy storefronts. They're the ones that provide places and spaces to celebrate for neighbors to gather. So if you think of vibrancy in a neighborhood.
0: They play a big part.
1: So, you know, when successful, you know, bottom line, micro businesses generate important income for um, entrepreneurs, their families, but at the same time they build neighborhood vitality and strength. And so, you know, we feel it's really important not only to, to research that, you know, here at the Gazueta Business School through, through our efforts and faculty, but how do we take purposeful action? You know, that's another part of of our work. And so we we're, we're proud to work alongside partners that are um, supporting um, entrepreneurs and micro business owners to help them start and grow and thrive. And you know, for the last ten years, we've run our own program called the Start Microenterprise Accelerator um, that served um, nearly 400 uh, micro businesses. So we're excited to be proximate to do research, but also to walk alongside and, and support. This this amazing group of um, micro business entrepreneurs here in the Atlanta play, uh, Atlanta neighborhoods.
0: Mercedes, I'm really excited to talk to you just because I know that you are an alum of StartMe, a micro accelerator in Metro Atlanta that works in underserved communities to support entrepreneurs. But I'd really like to understand what your journey has been as a business owner.
2: So I think something that Brian said that always resonates with me, um, even before I was a business owner, is culture. And um, so Heart Mercedes kind of It organically came to be. I didn't like, when I was small, wanted to be a business owner. I I actually (laughs) probably never thought I was going to be a business owner until I actually became one. Um, It started off with my art and then people were like, you should sell this. Um, And I'm like, would people buy it? Um, So I tried it and life circumstance put me in a situation to where I couldn't work. So I had more hobby time. And that kind of led to me going to art shows and doing pop-ups. And then I started to make a little more money. And I was like, okay, I think I'm getting to the point where I need to pay taxes and try to actually make this into a business. And that's where I kind of gave myself a name to start with. So I gave myself the name Heart Mercedes. I went to the bank and like separated the finances, but I didn't really know what to do from there. And that's where Start Me kind of like saved me. They helped me feel confident in going from an artist to projecting myself or... um, Introducing myself as a business owner, um, they helped me get my finances in order to where I knew I was making money before start me, but I just wasn't sure like what were those profit margins? Um, how could I pay myself and use those profits? Um, I was doing random acts of kindness, so that's like something that I like to do with the money that I make is not just. Um, put give it back to myself or, you know, use it to make more art, but also I wanted to find a way to give back to the community. I have a master's in social work, so social enterprise and giving back to the community is very near and dear to who I am. Um, so Start Me helped me find ways to put that together and to do it um, in an organized way and to speak about it confidently. I think before Start Me I just was like, I'm an artist who sells stuff. And so it really gave me the confidence and the network of other professionals who believed in me and spoke life onto me and wanted to see me succeed, um, which really... It, it just it, it intertwined into the culture of where I live um, and all the businesses I frequented and just being a part of the community and giving back into that community and the mentorship coming from there and supporting other businesses in there. The vitality of um, giving into this space and watching the money work within the community um, has just been so amazing.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned random acts of kindness. Say more about that. What is that about? The community and giving back to the community has always been at the forefront
2: of my mission in life. Um, So I wanted to find a way to not just make Heart Mercedes about accessories and jewelry. While it is great, it gives people confidence, it's a great conversation starter, Um, I wanted there to be a little bit more meaning behind it. And I noticed at the time um, art was being taken out of schools. So I decided to randomly do pop-up art classes at schools. Um, I've done dream catchers with students, I've done bracelets with um, special needs kids to help them with their fine motor skills. And what I do is I take a portion of my profits and I buy the supplies for that. so I give my time, um, I give them the supplies to do the project and just allow them to enjoy the experience. It's it's definitely been been great to touch the community in that way and to inspire other children to see art, which is probably something they love.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, we talked about
1: what the research says about the unique proximities um, micro-businesses have, but, you know, you saw a problem, you know, in a community, you recognize Art was, you know, missing from a lot of the schools. And so she brought her talents, her passions, that collaboration and connection. Uh, I think that's really unique about entrepreneurship at a hyper-local level. Um, And entrepreneurship at various levels, uh, it's a yes-and approach. We need, you know, high-growth tech companies. We need uh, large, large businesses kind of spinning off new companies. But it's really, really important to be intentional and support Folks that might not even think of themselves as entrepreneurs, that that are, you know, saying, I'm a I'm a photographer, I'm an artist, you know, um, I bring joy and, and purpose through what I do. Um, and just helping them understand how do you translate that that value to, to more of those kind of traditional, you know, pathways.
0: Say more about that, yes and part. Yeah,
1: I mean I think I think we're we're caught up, right, in in kind of some false dichotomies, if you will, on choices about, you know. Can you only support a big business or a small business or economic development decisions that are only big companies being attracted to our region versus uh, investing in small businesses? And I think the reality is we need all of that, right? We need a really thoughtful approach that centers on equity, that helps us think about, you know, how do we bring and attract big businesses to our state that create lots of jobs and opportunities, um, but also lots of intentional ways that they can be Good citizens and neighbors, in terms of who they hire, how they procure, all those kind of things. Um, but we also need lots, lots, and lots of small businesses to seed and get started, um, and 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 businesses, you know, getting what they need to to really grow and come into their own, and 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 hire uh, lots of individuals, and uh, eventually become midsize and and large companies, if that's. The choice and agency and what what that business owners is looking to do so I think it is really about this yes and approach economic development is about the big and the small and and in the middle um but how do we create really responsible companies that I think micro businesses just just radiate right like connections to their stakeholders and and customers and those that they care about because they're so close how do we just you know do that across the spectrum at all size companies?
0: So Ryan, the research suggests that microbusinesses provide pathways for families to exit poverty. Can you elaborate elaborate on that a little bit and how how microbusinesses play that role?
1: Yeah, so I think I think business ownership is seen as a strategy um that, that's really important not only here in Atlanta, but but nationally and then and, and then globally if you look at it the the, the bulk of, of businesses being started here in the United States and elsewhere in the world are not large businesses. Um, and large businesses are important, don't get me wrong, um, but the lifeblood of uh, economic growth and opportunity is the micro business. Um, and, and so if you look at it, there's been a lot of great research by the Aspen Institute and others that just show you know, micro businesses generate an important share of household income for individuals. So there are a lot of a lot of those businesses, and a lot of those businesses are are, are located um, at hyperlocal levels. I think powerful flexibility in entrepreneurship. It's hard. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, it's 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 way harder to to quote be your own boss and kind of build your own business. It's it's really challenging. I, I do think we romanticize
0: yes, entrepreneurship definitely. in many ways. It's <laughs> it's
1: a hard journey. It's a it's a challenge. It's it's not just passion, but all those other things that come come to bear. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is micro, many micro-entrepreneurs find some tremendous flexibility, right, in terms of when they can work, where they can work, how they can leverage um, their passions and skills uh, to, to really, you know, drive and create income, which is really important. And so all those things are, are really important. And I think it's really important to, to also recognize that entrepreneurship alone is not going to solve an issue like poverty, right? It's systematic. It's deeply rooted. It's one of many strategies. We also can't ignore the fact that, you know, we need to, to center equity in our approach. We need to look at who has an easier pathway um, around entrepreneurship. We need to look at issues of education and affordable housing and access to childcare. All those things are really important. So our friends at the Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative, um, or AWBI as it's commonly known, have put out some great reports, one called Building a Beloved Economy, all about Atlanta and the wealth gap we, we face, which is a tremendous challenge. Um, but all the different uh, opportunities we have to, to move forward collectively to build a better Atlanta. And entrepreneurship will be a huge part of that, but we also can't ignore those broader systematic issues that we need to, to really face, um, but face together as a community, and we need to be thoughtful about it, not just kind of see entrepreneurship as its own silo.
0: What role can microbusiness or supporting microbusiness play in addressing racial equity?
1: How do we intentionally and in and, and equitable ways uh, ensure, you know, entrepreneurs and, and those in, in communities get access to knowledge, networks, and capital that they need to succeed, right? And that's not necessarily the, the same thing for everybody. We got to think about it in an equitable way. What, what, what do people need um, in that moment to, to be, you know, successful um, and live to their full, uh, full potential? Um And I think we also need to understand that policy matters too that these are are challenges that are are rooted in systems they've been held in place uh for a long time there's power dynamics and and structure behind that so we we also need to ensure we center equity in and how our local state and federal incentive funding and resources are rolled out um you know to our community and so i I think and Nathaniel Smith and the partnership for uh Southern Equity, you know, talks about this a lot that equity is not a what, but a way. So we need to really be thoughtful about all those everyday behaviors that 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 really help advance equity in our community. And I think Nathaniel has reminded us in Atlanta, we have a tremendous opportunity, right? We have challenges. We talked about the wealth gap. Um and the wealth gap is 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 huge in in our in our city. Um, you know, White households have 46 times more wealth than black households. That's a tremendous number. That's number one in the United States. The challenge is real. It's there. It's prevalent. But at the same time, as we think about the future Atlanta we're working to build, um, equity can be a competitive advantage, as Nathaniel Smith says. And so I think we need to think about that as not not an element of you know, compliance, but an element of competitive advantage and centered into our strategy um, and that we can unlock amazing economic growth um, by creating opportunity for everyone.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It is a complex issue. And I think it's important to think about the intentionality, though, that of how you use your dollars to kind of Close some of that gap in the underserved communities or marginalized communities rather. And you mentioned a few organizations already, but who else around Atlanta or just even nationally is doing this work that for people who are interested in getting involved?
1: You know, in addition to Start Me, we we see the great work of the Russell Center here in Atlanta, Village Microfund, uh, Goody Nation, the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative. So I think there's lots of examples right here in our our own city. And we kind of talk about all those organizations really see entrepreneurship as a, a a team sport, if you will, right? It's how do you provide knowledge, how do you provide access to networks, access to capital, but also how, how do you do that really um, intentionally to help uh, walk along outside people and really help them navigate to become their you know their business and themselves to become you know at its full potential and and not just start but but grow and be successful. And so I think those are all really good examples um you know supporting those organizations you can you know make those purchases and and procure what you preach kind of kind of if you will, is something we say a lot, but there's lots of ways that that you can get involved through your your skills as a volunteer, you know leveraging your social and reputational capital uh to support you know businesses to get them networked and connected and then of course, you know policy matters, right How are you advocating for uh inclusive practices? That that really close the wealth gap and um, help uh, entrepreneurs, particularly in underserved communities, um, get access to important knowledge, networks, and capital, so they can thrive.
2: I think with everything, um, education should be at the forefront of, of whatever you're doing. And so I think really researching where your money is going, what businesses you're investing in, because even if it's just buying a sandwich, you're investing in that company, you're putting money towards um, the growth of that company. And so doing a little research before you you do spend those dollars, I think can take people really far. Um, and aligning those with, with your own values and your own beliefs Beliefs. And I think when you do that, you get to see the authentic growth. And I think the support, um, it, it doesn't end there. You want to continue to support someone that aligns with you. I know um, we become regular customers at places that align with the, either our family values or um, maybe it's our, um, our cultural values and, and the foods that, that they, they provide.
1: I think the last few years have really reminded us that local small businesses and run by our neighbors are tremendously important. They're not they're not nice to haves, but they're necessary for vibrant communities. So people I think have really prioritized it, become a lot more intentional, um, aligned their spending and investing with their values. And so I, I think that's where it present some tremendous opportunities. Um, We're all paying attention and valuing local micro-businesses and particularly minority-owned and women-led businesses. So I think that's a great thing, and that's leading to people making intentional choices on shopping and buying for themselves and their organizations and their procurement strategies. People are leaning in and sharing their skills. Um, People are, are leveraging their social capital and making connections. And you lastly, people are voting and advocating for policies that align with, you know, their beliefs, but also support equitable um, inclusion um, around entrepreneurship and other, other issues that are, are connected and intersectional to that.
0: You know, when you think about intentionality and trying to support businesses of marginalized communities, like how... Can someone go about sort of finding and identifying those businesses and being just sort of intentional, you know, not just in holiday shopping, but just like in your everyday sort of practices? Like what is, you know, someone who's just sort of hearing this and wanting to start, get started, like what would you recommend?
2: Um, I would definitely recommend starting at a farmers market. I think that a lot of the like Clarkston, the Avondale, um, they start. They have a lot of immigrant populations. Even here at the Emory um, Farmers Market, we have a uh, sweet Syria, and I think that you can find a business there, and then from from that starting point, learn about more businesses. Um, I, I think at the farmers markets, you get a lot of the forefront of who's who's working with. With um, or who owns the business and what is it that they're providing, and a lot of that authentic interaction um, versus going online and trying to, to research and, and look at pictures and try to decide for yourself. I think if you have those authentic conversations in person, um, it's a great opportunity to start.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, I, I, I think of other places like Pond City Market and, you know, Village Market. what they've done there retail space that's there year round along with the various markets for you to you know all in one place find products and services um and not just you know support through your purchases but but get to know those amazing entrepreneurs in that in that community and so i think you know showing up um uh, into places and spaces um in community is is kind of where you start um you know our, our start me shopping guide is a great place online and um, various uh, Black Chamber and Latinx Chambers and, and those kind of organizations are, are ways that you can peruse. But yeah, how do you just you know get out into uh, communities that you want to be a part of and value and support? And you know, so much of that is just getting proximate um, and intentional.
2: And let's not discredit Google. You can just uh, go ahead and type in small businesses owned by women, small businesses owned by women of color or people of color. Um, And you can put your zip code in and it'll be a great starting point to um, to finding out what's near you and what people are saying about those businesses. And I'm sure you'll find some good things there, too.
1: Yeah, and I think I think one one last thing is we often just kind of separate our our values as individuals versus our values in organizations mm-hmm. where we go to work, mm-hmm. and our individual spend matters. Don't get me wrong, but you know your company and and how you spend your money can make a huge impact at scale, right? Yeah. And so yourself in the workplace and bringing your values can really drive change. You know, we talk a lot um, to our students here at the business school about making change happen no matter where you sit in an organization. And so, you know, for those listening that might not be an entrepreneur that intentionally is making these decisions to support micro-businesses in their own lives, how they bring that into their company in terms of the spend their companies having every day with, you know, catering and food and beverage, which is a huge expense for a lot of organizations. Uh, to you know, professional services and, and and law firms to the creatives that they're hiring, right? The photographers, the videographers. Yeah. So, how can you leverage your influence uh, to really? you know, change the way that your company is procuring. I think that's really important to think about too.
0: There are some things I've been repeating here, like community and this idea of being personal and knowing your customers, knowing who's selling something to you. Why do you think that's important?
2: It's like, why do people like Chick-fil-A and Publix? Um, it's it's an experience. It's you leave with um, feeling like a part of the family. I've, I walk into... Um, a market, and I see customers that I've had buy jewelry from me before. And that familiarity, um, I think, and me remembering them even, and having that interaction and saying, hey, how are you? It's been a while. Um, it makes them want to continue to invest. And, um, and they're, they they feel like a part of, of your family. Um, and, and that is how I try to treat my customers as Once you, and I have a lot of actually, I would say probably 80% of my customers repeat. And I think that that is because of the experience that I don't treat them just like somebody giving me some money for something it's not just a trade it's it's an interaction it's a relationship that we build um, and it's a relationship that I hope lasts a lifetime that the the pieces that I make are for everyone in the family so as you get older you don't age out or um, if you have small children they're not excluded and so um, I think you build these experiences that people leave and want to share um, and then that brings more people back.
0: Yeah, I think this is really center, centering on our human need for connection for sure. and touching that. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, oh, I mean and and just to add, I think one of the unique things and a competitive advantage for micro businesses. Everybody's talking about technology and the role of technology and AI and what will that, you know, do in a either a positive or a, a potentially negative way. I think a lot of the aspects we talked about, the high-touch nature of uh, local businesses um, really is a competitive advantage, right? Um, it's not the fact that it's, you know, the most efficient um, automated process, but a lot of the small businesses know your needs, know know you in, in the neighborhood, um, have that connection with you and your family. And so I think those things are are. are are something that, you know, regardless of how good the technology gets that, you know, that could enable and support and provide more capacity, I think, for micro businesses could be a good tool. But I think micro businesses with that, you know, proximity and connection, it's a tremendous advantage, right? Knowing your customers and not just having a chat bot on a website, but somebody that really interacts and understands and and sees people um, and, and supports people
2: yeah it it kind of brings me back, Brian, to when you uh, mentioned that there's a need for the balance of the big businesses and the small businesses. Sometimes you do want that automated quick experience, let's say at a bank maybe um or checking out at a grocery store for your usual you know items. but um when I buy a gift from someone, you want to put thought, you want feedback, you want um to make sure it's as special as the person that you're giving it to. and I think a lot of times small businesses um especially um, Micro entrepreneurs can provide that that
0: feel that you're looking for when um, making that purchase. In some ways, the idea of the slogan, shop small, shop local, is really about intentionality of aligning your values and your wallet. A lot of times, you can see values woven deeply into the actual businesses as well. Mercedes, how has your heritage or your personal values influenced your approach to business and community engagement?
2: So my brand is always focused on authenticity. My heritage and my values are just woven throughout what I do. Um, So the gemstones that I used initially in my bracelets came from my mom. Um, She's Southeast Asian, and she is a practicing Buddhist who makes prayer malas. And I've just always been really interested in those gemstones. Um, And my dad is of Hispanic heritage, and our culture just has a lot of bright and bold colors. And I think that's where my love for uh, creating statement pieces came from and having a bold style and just in putting my authentic self into my own work um, has allowed me to have some great conversations with other entrepreneurs and why they do what they do. And um, I've just noticed this recurring theme of like authenticity, which has created kind of its own culture um, and, and values within our entrepreneurial um, community. Uh, so I just want to leave people with the thought of when you support small business, you're supporting a community, your neighbor, a mother, a father, their family, you're circulating money into your own community, helping it flourish and leaving stories. Um, you're leaving it better than it was yesterday. We're creating spaces that tell stories about who we are and determining the legacy that we leave behind. Um, I want to return to the east side and see the businesses that I love, you know, years from now and how much they've grown. And and I want people to understand why they're my favorite. And I want them to still have that same vibrant energy that they had years ago. Um, And I just really hope that people see the value in that and want to invest their dollars there. And I know that um, Start Me has really equipped entrepreneurs to tell that story and I hope that we continue to tell that story in the community.
1: There can be bumper stickers and and people kind of put that shop small, shop local, but why it really matters, right? Just you're investing deeply in your community and others that you really know, and it's not just impacting today but tomorrow, right? This is about a vibrant community not just for yourself but people that will follow you that you don't even know, and I think that just showcases just the, the the value of it you know it's not just simply you know shop small shop local um at the holidays when we kind of you know think about gift giving and 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 kind of spending in an intentional way but in all the different ways we we interact with each other throughout the year and and over years and so i I think that's really an inspiring way to to close um but i I also just think of you know this isn't Necessarily an individual uh, pursuit, but just a tremendous opportunity to also think about, you know, collective actions we can take as well. Um, so those things kind of come come to mind.
0: Um, I definitely want to talk about things that we can do. How can we get involved?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think we t- we, we talked a little bit about it um, for the the program that that we've been operating for for ten years, our Start Me program. You know you know, please visit our website, startmeatl.org. Um, Mercedes had mentioned we have an amazing shopping guide with all the products and services that you you can imagine. Um and and so I encourage people to to check that out. It's a great place to to learn about businesses that you might not know about um and and make you know some some great purchases and invest in those businesses. You know, we have opportunities with with our programs to lend your skills as a, a volunteer business mentor, which is a, a tremendously rewarding opportunity and something that I think leads to amazing bonds and connections that are made between entrepreneurs and um, those that that have some experiences in the business field that they can share. So I think those are two ways to get involved with um, Start Me. And, you know, there's great things going on in the city, so I would encourage you to Learn about um, the Russell Center, the Village Microfund, Goody Nation, the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative in downtown Atlanta. Um, I think the Village Market is an amazing um, ecosystem that's being built in community, and so check out their their place and spaces uh, at Pont City Market. And they they always kind of talk about support being a verb, and I think that mentality and value is is something that we can all lean into. So I'd I'd say check out those uh, organizations as well, and you know get smart about the issues and challenges we face, but, but how we can take collective action. So read up on, on the challenges we face as a, a community, you know, through the Atlanta Wealth Building and that report that I referenced called Building a Beloved Economy. Not just know of our challenge, but what, what action can we take uh, to really create um, a better, prosperous Atlanta for us all? And entrepreneurship's a huge part of that, um, but we all play a role in that as well.
2: You guys can follow us on social, Start me ATL on Instagram. Um, my social is HeartMercedes. Yeah, great.
0: Thank you, Mercedes. Brian, thank you so much for being on the podcast. For more information about the Goizueta Effect podcast, visit emory.biz forward slash podcast.